grateful here tonight. We're going to be talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. Everybody say receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take our text from John 20, 19, and, uh, 19th verse and the, through the 22nd verse. We just want to read those verses um, from the beginning. If we can go to the next slide, we're just going to read. Read those verses, and then we'll jump right in. We give glory to the name of the Lord. Amen. He is worthy of praise. We can go to the next slide. <laughs> Amen. All right. All right. So we got John 20 and 20 in the New King James Version. And it says, when he, Jesus, had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse number 22. He breathed on them and said to them, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. And so, receive the Holy Spirit. And so... One thing we got to look at, we're living in a day and age where it's so easy to connect to a church house or because, there's, it, because of the popularity of it. We got so many different um, streams of music, um, the praise and worship. When you go to praise and worship in church, it's more like a concert. Um, you got videos online we got access to that we can just look at as many videos of preaching or, or teaching or singing. Um, there's so much paraphernalia out there. You got people tattooing themselves with scriptures. I mean, it's just so accessible and so popular, but it's at the same time so controversial. It's a controversy in the church because there's so many people that's trying to walk in the spirit and fulfill the duties of the church that Christ has called us to without receiving the Holy Spirit. And we're living in a day where that's so easy to do. You can show up to church connect in a sense you can even get in a position and end up with the title and still not have the Holy Spirit or have not received the Holy Spirit and so that's the reason why so many churches are packed today um, with people that have not received the Holy Spirit they come into church they're connected they're, they're they got titles they don't have titles but they're operating and they're functioning just merely off of what they see and they haven't received the Spirit and so John 20 I'm just going to reiterate the scripture here, and we're going to move forward. John 20 and 20, verse number 20 and verse number 22, it says, When he, Jesus, had said this, he showed them his what? Hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw when they saw the Lord. Verse number 22, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so... We want to jump right into that, right? Receive the Holy Spirit. And so these two experiences um, that took place, there are two times where the Holy Spirit um, showed up. And that's in this, this verse here when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then at the day of Pentecost. So there were two, ty two times where the Spirit showed up. And so we want to kind of break those down tonight. Jesus commanded his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit's breath. Go to the next slide. 
to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to look at that word spirit. The word spirit is the word pneuma. The word spirit is the word pneuma, meaning spirit or breath. Jesus commanded them to receive the holy breath of God. The holy breath of God is likened to Genesis 2 and 7 in the beginning where God breathed. That's that same word. God breathed into man's nostrils and they became a what? A living, a living soul. And so Jesus commanded them. He didn't just simply say it. He commanded unto them, receive the holy breath of God. And at that very moment, the disciples had received the Holy Spirit. They received the breath of God. This was their initial encounter with Christ. And so we're looking at, in this chapter of John, we're looking at when the disciples had just saw Jesus for the first time since he had died. He had died on the cross. He was nailed to the cross. And Jesus appeared to them and he showed them the imprints in his hands and he showed them the imprints and the scars on the side. This is their first encounter with, with, uh, with Christ. Why is that significant? Why is this significant? The reason that this is significant is because they witnessed Jesus for the first time and he was what? Resurrected. Right? So never before then could they actually believe. Believe in his death. Because what, uh, what does the Bible say in Romans 10 and 9? You got to believe in your heart that what? Jesus was risen. Right? And so this was the time that Jesus had actually risen. Never before then could they actually believe and receive it because Jesus had not yet died. And so go back to to that other slide that you just passed. This was the first time that they had seen Jesus resurrected after they witnessed his death. And so this was significant because they could not believe in his death until now. And Jesus could not, what, breathe on them until now. And so this was their first encounter. Anybody got any questions as we go forward? I know we're just starting out, and this is very basic, very fundamental, like this is a class setting, so, you know, you might not get a whole lot of exert, exertion from me unless the Spirit hit me, but I'm just going to teach, amen? Amen. And so this was the first time that they encountered the Lord. And so Jesus' first encounter with his disciples we understand there are two requirements that are necessary to enter into salvation. There are two requirements that we must have. We already seen Romans 10 and 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will what? You will be saved. You will be saved. So in order to enter into New Testament conversion or New Testament salvation, you must what? Confess Christ with your mouth and what? And believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead. Amen? Amen. And so before this time, the disciples did not operate in being saved. They were doing works. They were casting out devils. But until this time, they were actually not saved. They had not actually entered into 
New Testament salvation. And so prior to the, uh, the uh, resurrection Sunday, the apostles had already confessed the Lord. Amen. So this is they already say, okay, Jesus is Lord. He's the Messiah. They had already done that. Right. And it was at this moment when they saw the holes in his hand and the, and, and the holes in his feet that they actually had a chance to believe in their heart. At that very moment alone, they were saved. At that very moment alone, they were saved. And so they casted out devils, right, like I said. But were they saved? No, they weren't saved at that time. But they fed the 5,000, you know, the miracles, the miracles they seen that, on that day. But they were not saved. They were not saved. Why? Because they could not yet believe in his death and resurrection. They could not believe yet in his death and resurrection. And so when, we, when, when confession is not enough, we, we can't just confess with our mouth. Confession isn't enough. I believe in the Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Christ. You know, so we have some, some places and some ministries that say all you got to do is confess. All you got to do is say, you know, this confession is sinner's prayer and you're good. You know, but we understand tonight that if, you're, if we're really going to receive this inbreathed spirit of God, the holy breath of God, we've got not only to confess him as our Lord, as our Savior, as Christ, but we got to actually believe in our hearts. You know, it's not just something that we can just say we do, but there actually has to be a heart posture of belief. You know, when you really believe something, you, you, you're all for it, right? You're all for it. You're not just going to uh, haphazardly be about it. Like, say, for instance, I don't know, you, you, wanna, you know, you're at your school, you believed in your schools, like you might have had a good basketball program. You believe your school could be any and everybody, and you had no doubt in your mind until you lost. But uh, you had no doubt in your mind that my team was the best team. Why? Because that was your belief. That was your belief. Many of us got our names. You can't tell Brian that that's not his name because he believes that isn't that's his name that's the name he was given you know Tana you can't you you, she, you can't tell her nothing else that's my name Tana Michelle <laughs> you know that's my name you know and so nobody can tell you any different because you believe that in your heart and that's the same way we have to be when it comes to the Lord we got to believe that he is risen he is yet alive he did not just die and that's it but he ro he rose and he rose with power Amen. And so, because of the lack of believing in your heart that God raised them up from the dead, um, many people actually end up believing in their head. In their head. It becomes head knowledge, you know, instead of heart posture. And so, go to the next slide. I just want to give you a true and false test here. Is it possible to receive salvation when we confess with our mouth and believe in our head that God raised them from the dead? Why is it false? What's the problem with believing it in our head? Somebody tell me. You forget? I mean, point blank. It becomes just knowledge. And what, what does knowledge do? It would just be a big bag of inflated chips. Puffed up. <laughs> you know, it'll just puff us up. We think we have something, obtain something, and we have nothing. We'll have nothing. 
That's good, y'all. Keep going to the next slide. All right. And so we'll have nothing. All right, so let me go down a little further. And let's talk about this breath. God breathed into them eternal peace. God breathed into them eternal peace. And so the breath that Jesus breathed into them was a breath that defeated death. Typo there, but y'all forgive me. I just did this today. It defeated death, the devil, the grave, and hell. The breath that Jesus breathed into them was what? An eternal breath. An eternal breath. Think about it. Every attack of the enemy, any way that he can come at us or come at them was dealt with with just this breath. This was an eternal breathing of God. Not only did they receive the spirit of God, but they received these promises that death is defeated, that the devil is defeated, that the grave would not be able to hold them, nor will hell have laid claim to their life. And this is what we receive, that in brief spirit, that eternal spirit of God. That us, in, even in our just, just beginning, our born again uh, 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 stage, we can defeat the enemy's greatest attack. We defeat the enemy's greatest attack as just a newborn believer in Christ by him breathing that spirit on us. So any attack that he comes with, he can't defeat us because God ultimately is the eternal spirit. And uh, the enemy can't do nothing with us. Can't do nothing with us. And so the reason why Jesus didn't breathe into the disciples the Holy Spirit before his death is because the purpose was for him to breathe life after death. That was the point. Jesus needed to breathe into them life after death. Come on, that, that sums up our walk with him because there's a life, right, that we lived before we received Christ, right? But we had to do what? We had to die to self. We had to deny that life that we had created for ourselves, made for ourselves, and actually live after we had died. This is the breath that helps us do so. This is the eternal spirit that helps us do so. Die to ourselves. Because that's a big thing that even now people deal with. Dying to yourself. Leaving the old man behind. The old man is what? Dead. In sins and trespasses. But we've been risen up into newness of life with Christ. And so we have to begin to walk in that. We have to begin to own that. There should be an ownership of that. You know, we shouldn't have to struggle with something we're dead to. We shouldn't have to struggle with that. But see, if we never receive the Holy Spirit, we'll struggle day by day, fighting with ourselves in our own head. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Did I really receive something? Did I really get it? You know, am I really right? Why is this pulling on me like this? Why am I still tempted with the same things and I feel like I want to give in or I've given in? But we got to understand we have power over that. We have power over the pull of the flesh. Can we all agree that the flesh has a pull? 
it will pull on you if you let it. It will pull on you if you have not prayed, if you have not studied the word, if you have not believed the word, you have not activated that, 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 that joy inside of you, then the, the flesh will pull on you. The flesh will pull on you. And so you got to be able to understand that what you got, what you receive is not just any breath. It is the eternal, holy breath of God where death is defeated, where the devil is defeated, the grave, and hell. Look how much power we walk in, y'all. Look at the life that we walk in. The, 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 this is why we have authority. Because we can speak to death and, and call it back to life. We can speak to dead things and, and, and have them rise up. Not only that, we can speak to things that we see that are like, you know, they're, they're hell, hellish in nature, and we can tell it to get out of our way. We can cast it out. <laughs> Amen? Amen. That, this is all because of the Holy Spirit. This is all because we actually believe with our heart. And not just with our head. Amen. So just imagine the power of the born again experience. Like I said earlier, in our fetal phase, as children of God, we have conquered Satan's biggest attack. We have conquered Satan's biggest demon. We have conquered it all with the Lord's breath. Y'all follow me? Amen. Amen. Let's go just a little further. Let's go just a little further. It's God's breathed unto us, and he gave us the eternal spirit, the eternal peace. John 19 and 21. Can somebody read that for me? John 20 and 19, excuse me, and 21. Can somebody read that? Amen. And so the key word there in this passage of scripture that we want to look at is he said, he said to them, peace be with you. And that's verse number 19. But he also reiterates it in verse number 21. And he says to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And so he wasn't just proclaiming peace in general. The peace that Jesus is declaiming, is proclaiming, is much more powerful than that. Jesus was announcing to his disciples that those who had just been born again, there is an eternal, get this y'all, an eternal peace with God just through that breath. He was giving the disciples his very own essence. Peace. Peace, that means whatever problem that sin created against you against God and separated you from God God was I mean Jesus was now establishing peace with God through this process are y'all following me so when he was declaring peace he was putting us back in position when he was declaring peace he was putting us back in our role of sonship and and, and daughterhood amen 
he was giving us back our rightful position that we had lost through the fall. Peace with God. So you don't have to wonder, man, am, am I doing what God wants me to do? You know, this right here tells us we have the peace that, that God, with God that Christ had given to us. This is actually a blessing, y'all. This is establishing our walk with the God again. That's what it did. Where we were cut off from God, where we were no longer connected to God, we actually receive our relationship to be able to walk with him again. So as a believer in Christ, this is kind of off the record, we should not struggle with our relationship with God. We should not struggle to pray. We should not struggle to, uh, to read our word. We should not st- struggle to just, you know, have a conversation with God. You know, if you find yourself struggling in your mind, man, should I pray today? Man, we got a problem. <laughs> we, got a, we got a problem. Somewhere down the line, we didn't receive what we said we received. If we're struggling to read our word, we didn't, some, somewhere down the line, our flesh got in the way. It got a hold of us. But it was saying, peace be with you. He was giving of himself. Peace be with you, with each and every one of you, as well as the disciples. And so he wasn't just saying peace, but it was an announcement. It was an announcement that we were now connected to God like we should be. We were now connected to God like we should be. And so let me go on just a little further. Y'all still following me? You need some candy to wake you up. You need some candy. (laughs) No, I'm just picking. But the, the validation of peace with God is the beginning of being raised up. This is the next portion we're going to go into. The validation of peace with God is being raised up. And so God raising Jesus from the dead was validation of his peace with Jesus. So we even see that not only with us, we receive this peace so that we can have our rightful place with God, but this was Jesus and God's moment as well. You died for me, you took on the sins of the world, but guess what? There's no beef between us. So I'm going to raise you back up because this was our plan all along. Death is, death is for those who only, for, for those who God is at war with because of sin. Jesus knew no sin, but he took on that. He took on our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might become one with the Lord. But even in the moment of his death, God was saying, you know what? This was the plan all along, son. Get up. And so that's the same thing he's saying to us today. It was the plan all along for your life. When you fell into sin, God was saying, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up out of that sin. Get up out of that lifestyle. Get up out of that relationship. God was raising us up from the beginning. And so not until now could we really see when we received the Holy Spirit that that's what the plan was all along. While we're in our sin, we're blinded. We don't understand. We think it's good where we're at. We think we're fine where we're at. We think we're having fun where we're at. But the plan all along was to raise us up. It was to raise us up. And so 
God couldn't leave Jesus in the grave because him and Jesus were at peace with one another. At the moment the apostles were born again, Jesus' peace with God was given unto them, the apostles. And so they had peace with God just like Jesus had peace with God. It's the same for us today. It's the same for us today. And so we can keep going. So what, what, you, what you can really, point, really receive at this moment, I want you to receive this or write this down. It says the proof of having peace with God is being raised up. It's being raised up. It's being raised up. That's the proof. It's the ability to be raised up in power. It's the ability to be raised up in power. And so the fact that they had received the inbreed presence of God was the fact that God was going to raise them up again. God was going to resurrect them. And I believe we can kind of read between the lines even now, like, you know, we, we know about the resurrection. They're going to be raised up at the last. But even throughout their ministry, how they were able to raise up in boldness, how they were able to go into different territories, different places where people didn't readily receive them, where everybody wasn't a Jew, and even the Jews was ready to get them. You know, but they were, they were raised up to be able to proclaim to the world what had happened. Christ is alive. The Lord has risen. They preached the gospel because God gave them power through receiving Holy Spirit to raise up and go do the work of ministry. I'm going to tie that all in towards the end. But we got to see ourselves in that, in that same picture. We're not coming to church just to be in church, just to look at all the, the, the music that's going on and the pomp and circumstance and just receive a message and go back home. But the ultimate goal is for you to raise up. I knew when, when, when I came to this ministry, you know, some time ago, my, I told my wife, I said, this is where I'm going. God told me this is where I'm going to be equipped. I've never been in a ministry like this to the degree I felt such a demand on being raised up. I've never, I never had such a demand on my life to be, you know, let's go, you know, the Lord's army. We're not just sitting here having good church in a building. Man, what kind of impact are you going to make in this region? What kind of impact are you going to make in this city or at least bring it home? What kind of impact are you going to make on your job? What kind of impact are you going to make at your schoolhouse for, for the younger people? You know, this is about us being raised up so that the Lord can get his work out into the earth before it's all said and done. I'm going off a little bit, but y'all bear with me, amen? The Holy Spirit, or the pneuma, is the breath of God, just repeating what I said earlier. And so they, the, the apostles had received the breath of God, and God guaranteed that he was going to raise them up. And so, that when, so when we're born again, we are truly going to be saved and raised up with God, having peace with God, so that God has no issues with our lifestyle whatsoever. So that God will have no issues with the way we live because we're living for him. Amen. And so what does that peace guarantee you? It's that you'll be risen. 
that you raise up, that you will live a life that's pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. Look, who want to be risen? <laughs> who want to have a lifestyle of peace with God? Amen? That's what we have now, y'all. We already got it. We already got it. All right, so let me keep going. Any, anybody got anything? Comments? Before I move on. Simon says, touch your nose. Ah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, so there was another great requirement or another uh, thing that they had to experience with the Holy Ghost. And so the key after this encounter on the Resurrection Sunday, when the Sunday that the Lord was risen, the apostles were born again, right? And so Jesus made it clear that their experience at that time was at best incomplete. It was incomplete. Let's go to the next scripture there. It says, Luke 24 and 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are in what? In dude with power from where? From on high. Till you are endued with power from on high. Let's go to the next slide. and We'll talk about it. Acts 1 and 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This was, God, this was the Lord speaking, telling about what was promised to the people, what was promised to the disciples or apostles. Acts 8, I mean, Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me. Unto me. And so there was a purpose here. We're talking about now, first we talked about what? The inbrief spirit of God. And now we're kind of dealing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what was its purpose? So you, I'm going to just say this. You don't have to go back. Back to Luke. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. And so after they had received their born-again experience, right, you received your born-again experience, and, the, and then they were commanded not to go out and preach, not to go out and do a ministry work, not to go, up, go, back, go out and just tell everybody what had happened to them, but they were told to tarry. They were told to wait until they had received the Holy Spirit poured out or baptism, right? And so we can kind of stop right there and look at they had already received what? The embrief Spirit of God. But Jesus was letting them know there's something else. There's something else that, need, that, you, that you need in order for you to do this work properly, to really be my witness, to really be able to be strong enough so that you won't fall in the midst of persecution. To be strong enough so you won't buckle when lies are being told on you. Strong enough to not just face or fight temptation on, on a horizontal level, but strong enough to be able to bring principalities down, to bring powers down to bring mites down, to legislate, 
to begin to decree what heaven wants in the earth or in the environment at a given time. Not just to wait for it to come, we're going to pray and we're going to wait 10 days. No, to bring it into the earth now. To be able to bring, that's, this, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Say it again. Bring heaven on earth. And so, let's talk about this. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me read this again. Jesus, after they received the Spirit and they were born again, they're talking about the apostles, commanded them before his ascension into heaven not to go out and preach, not to go out and start ministry, but to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be endued with the power from on high so that they can be what? So that they can be effective witnesses. I'm just re recapping. So that they'll be able to do service for the Lord. They'll be able to manage the goods of God and not mess anything up or fumble the work of God or halt the work of God because of their inward flesh conditions. So that they'll be able to do ministry. What are we doing, y'all? Ministry. And the only uh, uh, qualified way to do ministry is through having Holy Spirit lead you. The only qualified way to do ministry is having Holy Spirit lead you. We can't do it just because we want to do it. We can't just be here because what happened is, and you might you might have seen this in your life, you might have seen this in other people's life, we get burnt out. We get tired. We get weary. We get lost in the shuffle. Man, we got this again. <laughs> we got to do what tonight? But we just was going for a whole week. We're starting to realize it was all in our head versus in our heart. And so go to the next slide. The purpose of baptism. You can write this down. Being born again through receiving the spirit of God doesn't make us fit for ministry. That was the first encounter that they had with Jesus when he breathed the Spirit of God. It didn't make them fit for ministry. Just because you confessed and believed doesn't make you fit and ready to go for ministry. Got to help, help us today. Oh, yeah. Is it on? Amen. So I... I I saw a video a couple of weeks ago, and it just came back to my mind while you were talking about this particular part. And it probably was, I don't know what the angle was, but anyway, basically it was a guy speaking about someone who um, went to someone who had a spirit of suicide on them. The guy was old, so he, had this, he was carrying around this spirit of suicide all his life, basically. And there was a new believer that wanted to come and pray for him apparently and so he had prayed for the older man but then a couple of weeks later this young person ended up killing himself and so the guy who was telling the video was I think it was kind of more on the fear side which I'm not trying to bring that part out he was just like you better be careful you got to be ready for you know stuff you know this type of stuff because it's nothing to play with which is true but it just came to my mind you know like you just said, it's not just about confession and believing, but now you need power. You actually need real power because these are real demons, you know, and, you know, you're 
not to strike fear in anybody, like like the video was kind of, I think, was hitting on. But I think that's important to remember, you know, especially if you want to do the work of ministry. It's not just about what we see on the surface, but we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not dealing with people, but people have real ancient spirits, and you you need power. And I don't know if this is going to go into it, but the Bible talks about how they try to cast out um, the devils, and the devils was like, well, Paul I know, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus I know, but who are you? <laughs> Who are you? And just in that in that video, that spirit of suicide jumped on this this young person. And he ended up killing himself, you know. And so it's important that we not just, you know, confess Christ. And we think that's it. No, we really need power, and that takes carrying. That takes carrying and and really seeking and going after God. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. You can't do ministry without that power, the true power of God. You know, because we can, like the seven, what was it, the uh, seven sons of Sceva, <laughs> they try to do ministry without that power, and ultimately they were worse off than they began. And so that, we'll be worse off than we begin if we don't understand that, man. We're, we got power over what's in these, in, in people. We got power over demonic, <laughs> you know, demonic spirits, but if you don't have that power within you, man, that. That spirit, uh, it'll jump. It could jump on you. Not saying it will, but it could jump on you, and be in a worse condition um, than you were before then. And I and I and I and I'll tell this this story too, real quick, um, because this is a real story that happened, um, you know, in in my old church, where there was a young man, and I'm not gonna go into details of who it was and all that, but there was a young man who. Uh, was tearing for the Holy Spirit, and that's what they used to call it in our church. You get down on the altar and you call on Jesus and all that. But <laughs> but there were people working with him, and then a demon manifested in him. A demon manifested in him. And they, you know, were, were trying to get the demon out, cast the demon out, whatnot. But, and, I'm, and it's not a strike against anybody in that ministry, in that church, but needless to say, that young man was able to get up, remove the people that was around him off of him because he was just that strong, and he ran out the church. He ran out the church, and he ran to a nearby house where one of the, one of the members' houses down the street, somehow he got in, and he took a knife and killed himself. You know, and so it's imperative. Like, we, te- we real round, you know, deliverance. We see it all the time. But making sure, hey, don't come up here haphazard, you know. Make sure, even even if you even if you receive the Holy Spirit, prayed up. You know, come in here prayed up and ready to go. You know, prime we don't need no priming. We don't need to play double dutch. Am I able to do this? We don't need to be hesitant about it. We need to make sure that we have that power.
to help us for when that time comes. See, people don't understand that when when they ask the leaders to pray and to fast the first days of the month, you're, he's equipping us for what may come. You know, it, to to do these fasts and do these prayers, it's it's not because of it's not a, a, a ritual, but it's a equipping. You know, of the saints to be ready for that spiritual warfare when it comes. So. I just want to say that, I, and I'm just grateful to be in a ministry that that recognizes that, and and walks in that that power, and walks in that anointing, and and walks we're, we're under that mantle to where we can learn and and be able to be prepared for when those times do come. Because we haven't seen anything yet, <laughs> you know. But we God is equipping us to be ready for that, you know. This this is we're actually really in the last days to where. It's coming out more and more and more, but we are a church that's being equipped more and more and more, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. Pastor the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Hmm. I was in church a little while. My cat got teased, and I told everybody, pray for these people so they come out and don't get teased. something uh, even growing up that we were taught, you know, while deliverance is going on, they'll just be <laughs> standing around, be praying, you know, be praying for, for deliverance, be praying for freedom, you know. You know, you're useful as well. It's not just the people that's up here actually, you know, you know, tearing or seeking with the person or delivering the person, you know, while we're in the audience, while, we, while there's ministry going forward, let's pray. Let's begin to pray, you know. That's something I was always taught. Amen. Let's go for go go a little bit further. If we go to the next part, to the Holy Spirit, baptism is received from on high, and so this is something you we all need to know as well. This is all foundational teaching. Again, it's it's very 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 um, you know, simple or simplistic, but this is what we need to be able to build, to build that spiritual house or to build build that spiritual ministry that can actually. Um, move in, in, in this climate and move in the earth. And so all effective and eternal ministry originates from where? On high. On high. Not from a, not from below. We can't have a, a, a ministry that's focusing on self, on issues that are horizontal, issues that we see. Because that's not effective ministry. You know, we can't just always preach about prosperity. That's not effective ministry about what we can have, the houses and the cars and the money and all of those things and get excited and run around the church. What, what, what effect is that going to have on the kingdom of darkness? What effect is that going to have on somebody that's on the street ready to shoot up a whole neighborhood? They, there needs to be some supernatural intervention. And that only comes from above. That only comes from above. And so being baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't so we can make, make it through our hard times. You know, I need, some, I need something to help me when I'm going through. You know, that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To help us when we're in our low moments. But guess what? Even in the storm, we can be de begin to declare 
what we know the word is saying. That's why we, there's a word for every situation. There's a word for every circumstance. There's a word for every problem. And there's a word throughout every storm. Jesus was in the boat. And the storm came. And Jesus, they, the disciples were like, what? You just going to let us die here? He said, no. You have not exercised the maximum amount of faith that you need to exercise, which is what you know. You said little faith, but you need to have the right faith. Not just little, not just a, a big faith. You need, we got to have the right faith. And we got to begin to exercise that faith in the word and begin to declare to whatever storm we're going to, you're not going to kill me. You're not going to destroy me. I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to be under from this storm. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be brought low. And so it's for this purpose that we receive the Holy Spirit so that ministry can go forth and that what God wants from above, from his kingdom. It says the, the, the uh, prayer we always pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. On what? Earth as it is in what? Earth should be a reflection of what's going on in heaven. Our lives should be a reflection of what's going on in heaven. If we're too earthly minded, we'll be no heavenly good. <laughs> Set your affections on things above. You know, not on, I know we got to take care of things down here. And we do so. But after we've done that, there's still ministry to do. I know that Apostle talked about that, you know, months, years ago. About after we've done everything we got to do in our life, our family, our marriage, our children, go to work, come home, there's still a ministry work that's to be done. And we can't neglect the fact that there is a ministry work that God has given us power to, to overcome or to release. There's a ministry work. And so when I get home from work, guess what? That, my work ain't done. <laughs> Our work ain't done when we get home from work. I'm tired. I don't work all day, but guess what? There's somebody that still needs prayer. There's, st there's still somebody that God may lay on your spirit, and you've got to have enough energy and enough uh, 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 submission and, and discernment to say, you know what? My flesh is weak, but God knows the spirit is willing. Let me go minister to this person. Let me go do what I need to do because this is going to glorify God and not myself. All right, so let's go on to a little bit, to a little bit, another part. You can go ahead to the next part. So we just want to point out these things right here, and y'all can help me point these things out. Hit it again. All right, so we got Resurrection Sunday versus keep going Pentecost Sunday. So Resurrection Sur Resurrection Sunday. Go to the next one. We just want to do a, a brief recap to see what y'all retained so far. What happened on Resurrection Sunday? So there were three things. No, don't give it away yet. <laughs> there were three things that happened on Resurrection Sunday. Can anybody tell me at least one? He rose, took back the keys. Yep, yep. And him rising up, he snatched those keys. So... Go ahead and put the first one. Christ resurrected. Number two. Anybody tell me what happened? 
he showed him the print in, the, in his hands and in his side. Then he what? Then he breathed on them. He gave them the inbreathed spirit, that eternal spirit that defeats everything the enemy has to throw at us. Lastly, as a result of all that, they received that eternal spirit. Number three, the result was eternal life. They had received eternal life. Their life was no longer in limbo. Their soul was no longer in the balance. They had received. The result of all that was eternal life. All right. Everybody got that? All right, next one. What happened on Pentecost Sunday? This should be easy. <laughs> this one should be easy. But let's, let's kind of hit it like we hit the last one. Jesus. Start with Christ. Christ ascended. All right. What else happened that day? Everybody ain't got to answer at once. <laughs> what else happened? He poured his spirit out. That was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. He said, wait in Jerusalem, tarry, and I'm going to pour out what was promised, Holy Spirit, the baptism of it. All right, lastly, the result being what? Power. The result is power. They were given power to do the work of ministry. And as we look at this, we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at ourselves. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we've been given power to do the work of ministry. We can never say that we can't do the work of ministry if we have the Holy Spirit. We can't, we can't say that we won't do great exploits if we have Holy Spirit. Because we just declare he's greater. Greater in us than he that is in the world. Amen? And so you can stay right there with the, with the slide. The there is a horizontal release and there is a vertical release. So when we look at Resurrection Sunday, that was more of a horizontal release. And, and so let me help you understand what that is. The spirit that was received horizontally was the Holy Spirit that can take care of things that are horizontally in this life, meaning snares, meaning temptations, meaning lust of life and, and the like thereof. Anything that we deal with here, the Bible says Jesus was tested at all points that are common to man, everything that we deal with on this horizontal plane, we have power to overcome it. We have power to, to sustain from it and not even be affected by it. You know, we've heard many, many times where it's been preached, well, it's not just us being able to be, um, that we're being absent from it or we can, you know, get away from it, but that we can be in the midst of what we used to do and still have power. We still have that authority to legislate, to, to, to bring Christ into the place that we used to fall in for others. You know what I'm saying? We're not, that thing is not able to pull on me like it used to. And I got power to stand in the midst of what I used to be in, the club, 
drinking, smoking, all of those things, bad relationships, and be able to declare what God wants me to declare. That means I can actually be able to pull somebody. That's how people get saved when, you know, you get pulled out of the club. You get pulled out of, you know, I had an agenda for the night. I was going out to hang out with my friends, but somebody came and ministered to me. We've seen that with, uh, with uh, AO or with um, the evangelism ministry. Or just in, even in your own ministry, people were getting ready to do something. And you begin to minister to them, and they stop what they were doing. And they turn and realize that I don't need to do that. I need to put my trust in the Lord. I need to give my life to God. I need to repent. I need to receive Christ. I need to come to church on Sunday. Just because of you being able to work ministry with the power of God. So that first release was to take care of this plane. That second release is so that we can do kingdom. Amen? And so it pours on us kingdom life. Life lived out for the purposes above. Amen? And so naturally we don't, you know, think about what we want to do this way. Well, naturally we want to go this way. But when the spirit of God is poured out, now you're kingdom minded. Now your mind is what God wants to do. Now your mind is transformed. It's renewed. It's restored back to the state where God can actually move through you. You get the and out of you. Because we've been eating from the fruit of what? Good and evil, right? It's, it's the part, it's the time where we just had the good and we're able to focus on what God wants to do. Ministry purposes. Kingdom purposes. Amen? Glorious remnant revival purposes. Community purposes. You know? And so receiving the Holy Spirit from that point on only applied to baptism. So we had what? Resurrection Sunday, we had Pentecost Sunday. So after this, after that time on Pentecost Sunday, when the Bible refers to receiving the Holy Spirit, it's talking about Holy Spirit being poured out, baptism, okay? So that's something we got to point out so we all understand that going forward, after the day of Pentecost, to receive Holy Spirit is only applied to the second experience. That's what we received today, Holy Spirit poured out outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we got to point that out. We got to point that out. From Acts 2 to the end of the New Testament, the phrase receiving the Holy Spirit is only mentioned referring to baptism. Amen? All right. Anybody got any other questions? We're, we're coming, coming closer to an end here. Y'all still with me? Y'all need more candy? <laughs> okay. Receiving the Holy Spirit is, is um, in Acts 2. I said it from, from Acts 2 to the end of the New Testament. When the phrase receiving Holy Spirit is mentioned, it's referring to baptism. The baptism or the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, like on the day of Pentecost. You good? Okay. <laughs> All right. And so... Let's look at the revelation of the baptism of the Spirit. And so there are three places in the Bible where it took place, where people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was one in Samaria, one in Ephesus, and one at Cornelius' house. So let's go to Acts 8 and 12. This is the first one. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were 
baptized. And so notice, first and foremost, that Philip preached the kingdom of God, and he preached the name of Jesus. And so anytime we're, there's preaching going on, you have to include Jesus. You can't preach kingdom. There can be no kingdom without the king. <laughs> there can be no kingdom without the king that lives in the kingdom. And so that's one thing we got to point out there. We can never place the name kingdom on things detached from the name of Jesus and his life. His life and his ministry and the purposes that he had while he walked the earth and even now. Amen? And so, but one thing we need to point out here as well is when the Bible says when Philip preached the kingdom of, and, uh, and Jesus, those Samaritans, they believed. They believed his word and they were baptized. They believed or confessed the name of Jesus and they were baptized, right? And so they then had experienced New Testament salvation. That was New Testament salvation. But if I go a step further, this also shows something, too, as we go a little further. They were saved, but they had not received the baptism yet. Amen? They were baptized, but they never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is referring back to that inbreathe. Amen? The pouring. They haven't received that pouring. So I'm going to break that down in just a second. Let's go to Mark 16 and 15. Because that could be a little confusing where it says they were baptized, so you would think that was the pouring. But that wasn't the pouring or the, or the spirit falling on them. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will what? Be saved. But he who does not believe will be what? Will be condemned. And so the people heard the gospel. They believed, they confessed, and they were saved. This was Jesus' very own words. And so the same people who were saved, they had not received the baptism just yet. Now go back to what we learned. The inbreathed spirit, what, saved them. It was that inbreathed spirit where he released that breath. That's what saved them. But they had yet received the baptism of the pouring of the falling of the Holy Spirit. All right. Yes. Okay, so when it said they were baptized, that they'd be saved, it's referring back to that, that inbreathed spirit of when they received the Holy Spirit, the disciples in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They received that inbreathed spirit when they confessed and believed they were now saved. Okay. But they had not yet received the pouring out, the Pentecost okay. baptism, the power. So they did not have the power to do the ministry work. They had just received the power to, you know, defeat the death, hell and the things that we referred to earlier at this given time. Right. Power to do the work of ministry. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I'm glad you said that because it, it could be confusing to, to where it's worded and to we're talking about they were baptized. So wait a minute. You would think what baptized referred to the pouring out to do ministry, but they had not received the pouring out to do the work of ministry yet. They were just saved or given eternal life at that point. Is that clear for everybody? Just want to make sure that's clear for everybody. 
station there speaking his blessing just as he took the hand Scott, you had something? Oh, no, never mind. Okay, I thought you had something on you. <laughs> but I just want to make sure everybody understand that. They had been brought into salvation, but they had not come to the point where they were ready to do work of ministry because they not have received the poured out spirit of God. All right, keep going there if you go to the next one. Acts 8, 14 and 16 through 16. So now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard, that Samaria had received the word of God, and so they sent Peter and John to them, verse number 15, who, when they had come down, what? Prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had, fall, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so this points out how we can receive a portion of that baptism, but not actually come into the power where we can actually do the work of ministry. So we'll get salvation through the confession, through the believing. Salvation comes. But guess what? We don't stop there. You know, a lot of times people want to just stop there. I'm saved, and I'll just sit here and in this church for 20 years, 30 years, and I don't have to do nothing but wait for the Lord to come. I can't wait till he rise me up. And these are the, these are the ones that preach heavily. You know Christ coming back soon. Y'all better get ready. He coming back. And that's the only thing they're testifying. But they're not testifying to the goodness of God to the point where somebody can actually be in a situation to where it's like suicide. Where it's like somebody on a drug addiction. And actually have demons cast out of them. And begin to now, you, they can begin to now be clean and free from all of those oppressions to the point they can now live a life for Christ. They're, see, that's, that's a part of our call. That's a part of our assignment. And that's, a, that's the reason why he's given us power. We're not going to sit up in here for 10 and 20 years. Not in this ministry. <laughs> You're not going to sit up in here for the next five years. Look, I'm making, bring that down next five months. There ought to be that's five days. Yeah. You know, they got to be some, there will be some evidence and some proof that the power of God is working on the inside of you. If, in fact, that you're receiving the Holy Spirit, pour it out. Can you go to heaven without the Holy Spirit? go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. Um, if you think about it, when they were saved, when he, they did get Holy Spirit. It was in breathed into them. So they had Holy Spirit, but they just had not been baptized so they could receive the power. So in a sense, when you're saved and you believe in your heart, confess, you do have Holy Spirit. So you have them, so yes. 
anybody else? I wanted to point that out because people do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, especially if they don't have the evidence of speaking in tongues, that they can't go to heaven. Because um, I think once it has been taught one-sided for so long, think about it, um, say someone on their deathbed, mm-hmm. and they are getting witness to, and they believe in their heart, they confess with their mouth, they believe in their heart, and then an hour later they're dead, they can still go, they will still go to heaven, you know, if there's no sin in between that, and sin can be more than just your actions, or even your thoughts, like when they're always, it wasn't any benefit to it, well, you really didn't believe, you just said something, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so that's, of course, that's personal between you and God. But, um, but you know, I remember, um, I think I told the story to my women when they heard at my holiness church, our counseling room, there was a lady there, and she was like, you mean to tell me that my husband who beat me, that he almost killed me, he could beat me so bad, you know, who did all these things, he was a homemonger, you know, he did, oh, you mean to tell me that he can confess Jesus, like, right before he died and go to heaven? She had a whole problem with it. She had a whole problem. She was like, you know, and we were like, yes. And she was like, "Uh -uh, no, he got to go to hell. (laughs) She wanted him to go to hell. You know, but the fact of the matter is that if he confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart and, you know, and he he can be saved, he will be saved. The level of repentance definitely. That's that's not a safe place to be. No, it's it's a dangerous place to be. Say a testimony. One time, I'm on my on my way home, and this guy was out running the police, and um, he ended up hitting a tree, and his car was wrapped around the tree, and the car was on fire. So I heard him. We couldn't get to him because the car was, you know, wrapped band up, and it was jammed to the door. And he hollered out, Jesus, when you went to heaven. I mean, while you burn up, he said, Jesus, when he go to heaven, he confessed Jesus. He just confessed Jesus. He called on Jesus. Then he went to heaven, eternal life. He said, Jesus, save me. I just heard him holler, Jesus. Can we say he actually went to heaven? You know, got eternal life because he called on Jesus. Yeah, but see, in that situation, you would, you you know, initially just hearing him say Jesus, you know, was the belief part, you know. Um, what is his heart condition at that moment when he called on Jesus? Is he actually either believing on him or just calling him to help him, you know. And so, you know, I can't play God or I can't play Jesus in that moment, but I can do, I can definitely say if his heart wasn't truly believing on Christ, Confessing Christ and believing on Him, then we already know we we know what the end would be for Him. Amen. There was something I was getting ready to say, but I it'll come back to me. You had something, Deacon Tony. I saw your hand go up. Pretty much what Miss Veronica was saying is that you know, all right, if you you know we we were taught that you got to do works. In other words, you gotta save you gotta save souls for the Lord. So there's a work in your walk, you know what I'm saying, as a dash. And it's, you know, what you do between the dash. 
So my thing is, if if no, if these people that like what who she said, they didn't put no work in for the Lord, and all of a sudden at the end, you know, because a lot of people think that at at the last moment, you know, if they just confess God with their heart and believe that He died, you know, they will go, they'll go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people really living with that, you know, thinking that they'll have time, you know, when that day come to just say, Lord, you know, I repent and I, you know what I'm saying? So my thing is, how, how do that, you know, what, what, how do that contradict the work? You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the you know, the witnessing, you know, and, and, and going out and, you know, saving souls for God. See what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? People, people, they skipping the work. So they think that they can live their whole life just doing what they want to do. And long as when I get ready to die, if I have time to say, Lord, forgive me, I repent for my sins, you know, they're going to they gonna go to heaven. And see, that, that's, the, that's the dangerous place because, again, you can think that all I got to do is just say, Lord, forgive me, and I'm done. And so um, it, it's what's in the heart place, the heart position. I just want to say real quick to Elder Brian, uh, you responded to that? Yeah. Okay. That's what I was. By faith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is, you know, God found your heart. You know what I'm saying? You can't be, you can't manipulate God. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? He's not mocked. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that, it, like how you talking, if an individual, if that's their intention, me, you know, I, I, there, there is nothing to back this up, but I'm just saying there is. He is not going to accept your manipulation. You know what I'm saying? Because all my life, well, my whole life, I'm going to live like I want to, and right before I die, I'm going to repent. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying, you know, you know, just a, just a verbatim scripture that says that. You know what I'm saying? But there's so many avenues that you can go down with this. But number one, you have to take back the license. Because, you know, individuals like 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 that. And I don't want nobody like a younger believer in here to think that it's okay to even to go that route. You know what I'm saying? Because you're playing, you're trading on, de- uh, on, on, on dangerous ground. Also, you know, what's so deceptive is the time, you know. Everybody's talking, you know, I got time, I got time today, I got time, I got this. But if you think about it, the one thing you really don't have, that none of us have, is time. You might have a car, you might have a house, you might have a wife. See, all these things, you might have a husband, all these things you can show me. But if you got time, show it to me. (laughs) If you got time, show me. Let me see your time, if you got some. And so, you know, that's just, amen. Yeah. Yeah, about the thief on the cross. You know, he had enough time. He had that time. Just like Brian said, it's not. Some of us, some people ain't going to have that time. But that thief had enough time to, to um, I think I was reading this now in Luke. I think it's Luke 23. Verse 42, he said, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he believed and, t- and, and, and asked Jesus to remember him. And Jesus said, surely I remember you. And today you will be 
with me and Paradise. So that thief, he was getting paid for his sins. I mean, because he was a criminal. But he had an encounter with Jesus on the cross. And he in paradise. And I'm right now. So I believe, you know, I do believe that somebody can right in the time confess right now and, and go to heaven. But like Brian said, you know, don't, don't play with that. Because, you know, I was told when I was young, you know, when I was, um, that, you know, someone spoke to me when I was young from my, you know, that um, as long as you say have mercy on your soul, you can go to heaven. So that gave me a, uh, that right there blessed me back then because now I can live a life of whole sin and, and, and it say have mercy on my soul. But then I always thought about did you know, I had a good friend of mine that got, that was shot and killed and somebody was telling me how he died. So I was like, man, did he have time? Because he was gasping for breath and like they was holding him, you know, so that, that time, they, do we have time? Because, a lot of people have been dying, like, you know, I done heard of one of my cousins that I used to look up to got killed in a car accident, and the doctor was saying that, oh, he died as soon as he, as soon as he hit the ship, like, he was gone. So I always say, did he have time to say have mercy, you know, to say that? And just like Brian said, you know, is, is, is that person going to have time? So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I was going to bring out, too. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, you got something? I just wanted to, because um, it's, it's, it's a lot going around right now about the once saved always saved if I just confess then you know that's it and um, you know one thing that you were talking about Deacon Tony was just you know they don't have the works to back it up Pastor Francina said you know we're not saved or justified by our works and so it's a thin line and you really have to rightly divide the word you really have to rightly divide the word but if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it when it comes to salvation. That's it. That's it. But there is an obligation for us to be sanctified. The Bible talks about those that are being saved. He that endures to the end shall be saved. All these different things. So there is a contingent, and I'm trying to use my words carefully because there's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. All I got to do is confess and believe. That's it. But that does not mean once saved, always saved. Because, and, and, and I'm not going down a rabbit hole, but I did want to just clear that up because this was a long conversation I had with somebody, and they were adamant preaching it at the church and all this other stuff and I didn't believe it before but now I believe it and I'm just going to live how I want to live. I confess I'm I'm good. That that's not the case. But but people don't have to have a rap sheet of well I did this 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 and this so now I can get into heaven because didn't I prophesy in that name? Didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I do this this and this? And Jesus still said away from me. Your works cannot justify you. And so I just wanted to kind of bring that out um, because it's just confessing and believing. But we do have a, a, an obligation to now be in position to be sanctified, to be sanctified so that God, the whole purpose is that we are transformed into the image of Christ. I think I heard a message that somebody preached. I don't know if it was apostle, but God's not really after us. God is after his son. He's getting his son back. 
and, and that's why we need to be conformed to the image of Christ, because that's who he's coming back for, his son. Not all, you know, we are the body of Christ, right? As long as we get in that position and be transformed to his image. But individually, me just out here in sin, God's not coming back for me. It's, it's, he's not looking for me. I can go on and on. I'm not going to get too deep into that. But I, I just hope that kind of clarified, clarified that to that point. Because it, I don't want you to think that you have to earn your salvation by doing these works. And if I don't have been do with power on how to do ministry and stuff like that, then I can't be none of that stuff. Um, and then to the point where we, we don't know. I can I can walk out this door right now and get hit by a car and just be gone. So there's no well when I get ready. There's no well right before I die. I done heard I done, I know many people that have died, and they didn't know they was gonna die that day. You can die in your sleep and not get a chance to wake up and say God forgive me. So don't play with it. And the last comment that I want to make um, so we can get out of here in a, in a few minutes um, on that is, you know, I, the thief on the cross versus the person that um, um, Deacon Tony was speaking of. You know, it could be they, th there could be one thing that's different between the two, and that thing is your heart. Are you really saying this because you believe it? Or are you just saying this because now I live the life of hell, and but I don't want to go to hell? So that that's the difference, you know. And God, you can't fool God. God knows your heart. You can't say that, oh, when I, it's time to die. Even if you got five minutes before you die, you know you're dying. You just can't say, oh, God, forgive me when your heart's not in it. God knows the difference. So that's the difference in it. The thief, yes, he went to heaven, but God knew his heart. But the person that lives a life contrary to everything that God has put forth um, and just want to say at the last minute, oh, yeah, you know, he might say, well, you know, oh, somebody shot me or I got hit or whatever, I'm dying, God forgive me, and not, and not really believing in his heart. He ain't going to see God. That's the way I see it. Can I add one thing? Yeah. And last, last one, Veronica, so we can close out. I'll be real <laughs> quick. One, I, I always go back, and I, um, I always go back to the story of Martha and Mary. And, you know, one was the worshiper, one was the worker. But, yes, we definitely have to confess our sins, and we have to believe in our heart. I believe... I believe that the works are for us to keep us in alignment. So as we are, as we receive that power to go out and do the works, it keeps us hungry, it keeps us thirsty, it keeps us in right standing, so that we can endure to the end. It keeps us hungry for that. When we see His miraculous power, when we see Him heal, when we see Him set people free and people are delivered, it keeps us in alignment. The work is important, and having that power is important to keep you in alignment because you don't know your expected end. But when your end is there and you have done the work and you have seen the work and you have, you know, learned the Bible so that you can do the work effectively, the, the way God said, it keeps you in alignment. It's for us, you know. It's for us so that we can stay in alignment to, until his, his expected end. Everything everybody shared was, was, a, was a blessing. And 
Um, one thing that even I was going to say, and I'm going to move on. We can go to that next slide, Shelby. Um, but just, you know, you said Elder Shelby was saying that once we receive salvation, there's like a contingency of work that we do. And I just thought about even God giving us salvation to be such an impactful, um, such be so impactful in our life to we want to do. We want to do the work. You know, not that we have to do the work in order to obtain something, but because of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, man, I'm going to serve him with gladness. I'm excited. I've been given life, a second chance, if you will. And so that's what I thought about, you know, just, you know, we can, we can, the Bible says, you know, God is not mocked. Whatever man sow, that will he reap. And so God knows at the moment when we pass from this place to stand in front of him, he's going to know what you sowed up until that point. He's going to know what you're going to reap up until that point, you know, from what you sowed on earth. And so many people don't go to church or whatnot, but they do know good from evil. And based on that good from evil, you're going to be judged. And so, all right. So last couple things, and we're going to run. We're going to run up out of here. Um, this is we're going back to the Holy Spirit falling upon us, right? So they were the the Holy Spirit had not yet fell upon them. That's what the last scripture we read. And so you can write this down. Fallen. The word uh, is the word. I don't know if I'm saying this right. Uh, e Pepito, something like that. But you see how it's spelled. You can all go online and, and hear how it sounds. I ain't had a chance to go online and hear how it sounds. But it means to fall upon, to rush or to press upon. It means to fall into one's embrace or to fall upon in order to seize or take possession of him. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing when it falls upon us. It takes possession of us so that the life that we have, which is not our own, is in fact truly been purchased of Christ and is validated when it, that spirit of God is fallen upon us. It's validated then. It's when the fact that we've been purchased with the price is validated through that receiving of the Holy Spirit, that baptism experience. That means our life is not our own anymore. <laughs> that means we're not doing what we want to do and waiting to the last minute. We're following the, if we truly have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit seeks to do what Christ wants to do. And so we truly don't get to follow our own agenda, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit, but we're giving the impressions of what Christ wants to do in the earth and then we're now having our life laid down so that the Spirit of God can move through us. And so the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Next next script, scripture, to receive the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1 and 13, we're almost done. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed. Everybody say sealed. With the Holy Spirit of promise. With the Holy Spirit of promise. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who seals us. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That, that word seal means mark with the seal. It means to set a seal upon. 
for the purposes of security from Satan. You're no longer in the grass where Satan can reach you, can tempt you, can try you, test you, whatever the case may be. He's on the outside trying to get in. You know, that's what that's that when that's what we were talking about. It was preached one time about the enemy takes a snapshot of you. And then he has to go back to form a weapon. When he gets back, you don't look the same. You're not the same. Because why? The spirit is constantly refining daily, you know, renewing us daily, you know, dying daily so that we can be who God wants us to be. But that's a promise that God gave us, a seal that he put, a mark that he placed upon us. It's something that's closed tightly or fastened. Anybody grew up around mason jars? You had mason jars in the house? Man, trying to get in that thing sometimes is so hard. I mean, you have to <laughs> you have to put the hot water on it. Like back in the day, they used to have them little, I don't even know what you call them, little rubber things. And you have to try to grab the top and even the seal on it. You try to get the seal and the seal won't even come off. It's just so tightly sealed. And so that's how the Holy Spirit's within us. It's tightly sealed. The enemy can't just dislodge us, you know. We can't just be falling over by the wayside, you know, real easy. If we're tilted over, stuff ain't just spilling out of us, you know. You can't just easily knock us out of position. We're sealed tightly. Amen? Amen. And so we're airtight. Those that are baptized in the Holy Spirit are airtight. They are airtight. All right. Last scripture, the Holy Spirit and the earnest inheritance. Ephesians 1 and 14. Everybody, everybody good? All right. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until our redemption? Until our redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so one last thing, the Holy Spirit being poured out is our guarantee It's our guarantee of being purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's our guarantee of an inheritance. We now have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And the spirit baptism is the guarantee, the guarantee that we've been purchased by God. And so that concludes our lesson, I believe. Um, There's one little scripture if you want to just jot this down. Just as a reference, Acts 19, 1 and 6, that was just referring to another um, instance where the Holy Spirit was poured out. If you can read that in your own time. But we are now finished, everybody. Thank you um, for being astute students, <laughs> for your input, and really just allowing God to really um, speak to us tonight. We understand that these classes aren't just classes just to be doing anything, but we're actually being equipped. We're um, setting that foundation, making sure it's sure, and um, we're going to be able to do what we need to do when the Holy Spirit is really received. Amen.